The following is an Auburn Network production. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Thursday, February 22nd, 2024. This is the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, with you for the next two hours right here on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader ESPN 106.7. And can we talk about the gorgeous day we have once again here in the Auburn Opelika area? Sunny, 70 degrees. I went to put on a pullover this morning, and then I uh, I asked Siri what the weather was going to be, and she said, sunny and 70. I said, nope, we'll put on a polo and be done with that. So great to have 70 degrees in the month of February. Hope you're all doing well on this Thursday. I am. I hope you are as well. Great show on tap for you today. It's Thursday, which means we've got two wonderful guests on the show. Brad Law will be with us here in hour number one, and Chris Gordy will be with us in hour number two. Brad Law, of course, from the Auburn Sports Network, and then Chris Gordy is the host of the Locked on SEC podcast. So he will be with us in hour number two. That'll be at 3.30, and Brad Law will be with us at 2.30. Lots to get to with Brad. We'll talk about Auburn baseball as they got their opening weekend win, series win, series sweep over Eastern Kentucky. We'll also talk about the midweek win over UAB. We'll preview this coming weekend, the Jacks Classic, some big-time matchups for Auburn baseball. And we'll also be able to talk Auburn basketball as they travel to Athens to take on the Bulldogs of Georgia on Saturday. So we'll get to all of that with Brad coming up in about 30 minutes or so. We're also going to talk about things that happened last night in college basketball while the NCAA still is terrible at their jobs and whatever else you want to talk about. We'll have a great question of the day coming up for you as well. So all of that will be here during On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Phone lines are open right now though. If you want to call in, what's on your mind? What do you want to talk about on this Thursday afternoon 334-321-1390 a number again 334-321-1390 and gotta talk about what was an impactful night in the SEC last night in college basketball big time games bubble teams in action top 25 matchup in the country was out of the southeastern conference and you've got to start with what happened in Tuscaloosa You've got to start right there, where number 24 Florida went on the road to take on number 13 Alabama. And I don't know, out of an overtime game that lasted 45 minutes, I would say, and just look at regulation of the 40 minutes, Florida was the better team for 35 minutes. Is that fair to say? I think 30 to 35 minutes, Florida was the better team. They were up. They were playing well. Bama couldn't hit a shot if their life depended on it. And normally what that means for Alabama, you know this, when Alabama doesn't hit shots from downtown, they typically don't win games. And that was the case last night. 
in the category of shooting the basketball. They just didn't shoot well, man. This team, they kept shooting them. We know that. We know Alabama's going to shoot, whether they're making them or not. They live and die by the three, especially with their lack of size inside. Now, one of their leading three-point shooters did not play last night. He was injured with a suspicious head injury that, you know, just happened in practice one day. So that's funny. But he didn't play, and Alabama shot 25% from behind the arc, which is pretty good considering how they started. They hit 8 of 32 from downtown. Florida was 9 of 30. Florida started hot, man. Let me tell you, anything they threw up, they made. And that's what you have to do on the road, especially in Coleman Coliseum. And so early on, Florida was shooting well. They were playing well, getting stops. Alabama was one and done. We know Florida is one of the best rebounding teams in the country. And I know Doug was talking about this earlier today. Him and I talked about it as I'm now on his show on Thursdays at 11:15. Alabama rebounded the ball extremely well. They got rebounded Florida by 10, 54 to 44. 10 is what they out-rebounded the Gators by. That's really, really good. That is how you overcome a bad shooting night if you're the Crimson Tide. And that's exactly what they did. But even with all of that, Florida was still playing well. Florida still had it in control. They had the win in their back pocket. And then they just fell apart. I mean, just fell apart in the last couple of minutes of the game. They let Alabama get in there, tie it up, go to overtime, and then Bama was able to pull away and get a five-point win, 98-93. to Talk about a missed opportunity for the Gators and an escape from Alabama. I mean, just an absolute escape. And it said more about Florida to me than it did Alabama. But let me say this. That's a big win for Alabama. That's a big win for them because they have proven once again that they could win that close game. They've proven that they could come back from a deficit being down most of the time and win a close game when they needed it. Something we've talked a lot about and had a lot of concern when it comes to Auburn. Because we haven't seen Auburn really do that a whole lot yet. And Alabama was able to do that. Now, can we talk about the WWE match that broke out last night in Tuscaloosa? Can we talk about how a straight-up people's elbow was thrown in the middle of a skirmish fight for the basketball? I'm not talking about the knee that the guy took to the head. I'm talking about the reared back, tapped the elbow, and dropped it on the head of a Florida Gator, and nothing was called. That is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. It's ridiculous that that doesn't get called, doesn't get reviewed, doesn't have the right call, nothing. And they just let it play on. Now, the SEC, from what I hear, is taking a look at it and probably going to have some something to say about it. But the fact that that can happen in the middle of a game and you can't pick it up and you can't make the right call, you can't make the correct decision there, what are we doing? That wasn't an incidental play. That wasn't incidental or accidental contact to the head. That wasn't going for a rebound or diving for a loose ball. That was in the middle of a pile as people are trying to get up. 
And he saw an opportunity, a bad opportunity, a dark opportunity, a dirty opportunity, but he saw it and he took it. And that's just unacceptable. So Alabama wins 98-93 over Florida. They see themselves get one game closer to winning the SEC regular season championship. The Gators miss out on a prime win that they could have used with their tournament resume to probably knock them up a seed line or two when it comes to March Madness. So that was exciting. And then a game that not a lot of people were paying attention to until late. How about number 17, Kentucky? On the road in Baton Rouge at a team that's been hovering around 500 for the last few weeks. Kentucky was rolling. Kentucky was doing their thing. They're up by nine at the half, 36-27. Defense played well. Offense was rolling, doing its thing. And some really questionable game management down the stretch for Kentucky allowed LSU to hang around, allowed LSU to go on some runs, and allowed them to be in it at the end of the game. But man, let me say this before we talk about the result. Kentucky has got some players, man. Kentucky has got some serious, serious players. And their guards are some of the best we've seen in a long, long time. Antonio Reeves, yeah, he's got it going on. DJ Wagner, yeah, he didn't have a good night, but he's still a good player. But that Antonio Reeves is something else, man. And then if you don't know the name, you do now. You absolutely know who Rob Dillingham is now. Who hit one of the toughest clutch shots I've ever seen. I mean, I've ever seen. It was unbelievable. This guy's coming off the bench. Played 22 minutes last night. 8 of 16 from the floor. 2 of 5 from downtown. Made all 5 of his free throws. Didn't do a whole lot more than score. But that's okay because he had 23 points. And if you have not seen the circus turnaround jumper that he absolutely buried for the go-ahead shot, go look it up. It's been all over social media. You can find it on YouTube. Time it, type in Rob Dillingham and it'll come up. It's unbelievable. And so with just a few seconds left, Kentucky takes the lead. Everything looks fine. LSU runs down. They cross half court. They dance around for a second. They get into the lane, nearly turn it over. Horrible shot. And off a pass, shot, rebound, whatever you want to call it, there's LSU to clean it up, toss it in. One of the most broken plays you're ever going to see. And LSU tosses it in the basket as time expires and the Tigers win 75-74. to Doesn't mean a whole lot for LSU when it comes to a season outlook they rushed the floor they beat Kentucky that's cool that's a big win biggest win by far this year for them doesn't mean they're going to make the tournament doesn't mean they're going to do anything after this but that's a big win for them it says more about Kentucky and John Calipari because yesterday on the show Uncle T-Bone and I talked about what would the reaction be from this Kentucky team coming off their best win of the year over Auburn on the road this past Saturday. How would they play? What would they look like? And for most of the game, they looked pretty good, especially out of the gate. They looked really good. And it's like, all right, Kentucky's going to continue to roll. Kentucky's going to continue to play well, go and get what seemed to be another road win in conference play, and everything's going to be fine. 
They're going to keep going. They've got Alabama this weekend, and they control their own destiny. But then, like I mentioned, poor game management, bad shots, turnovers, hurt the Cats down the stretch. And LSU's still a talented team. They're a very talented team. It just hasn't been a great year for them. But it shows how hard it is to go on the road and win in the SEC. And I know Kentucky just did it. They just went to the hardest place to play in the SEC and did it. But they turn around just one game later, just a few days later, and they can't get it done against LSU. That's a problem for Kentucky, not closing out wins. Four-point loss to Gonzaga, right? Nine-point loss to Tennessee, three-point loss to Florida. They got run out of the gym by South Carolina. Five-point loss to Texas A&M. Those types of games. And like last night, that's not an NCAA tournament team that you just played. I think LSU has NCAA tournament-type talent. So that's a team that Kentucky could see something similar to when it comes to March. They've got Alabama this weekend, still have Arkansas on the schedule, and they still end the season at Tennessee. So a big win for LSU and a magical win for LSU and a a tough loss for Kentucky last night. You also had the game, which I considered a bubble game, and I think most people would, between Ole Miss and Mississippi State. And, man, I don't know what happened to Ole Miss last night. They just didn't play well. They scored 71, but they gave up 83 to a Mississippi State team that, look, offense isn't their, that's not their best attribute. And Ole Miss just fell apart. That second half was brutal. They were up by four at the half, and they let State come out hot. They fell apart defensively, and the Dogs took advantage. They get a 12-point win at home. I guess that's what I get for picking an SEC team on the road. Because out of four games last night, only one team went on the road and won, and it was Georgia who beat Vanderbilt. Whoop-de-doo. But Georgia gets a 12-point win on the road in the SEC. They've got a little confidence before Auburn comes to town on Saturday. Wild stuff, man. College basketball is crazy. And the SEC, while last night could have been a huge shakeup in the standings, Alabama just solidified themselves even more at the top. And we keep talking about them finding games to lose for teams like Auburn to try and sneak in there or a team like Tennessee to go and win the SEC, but Alabama just keeps winning. They're a game ahead of Tennessee, and they're two games ahead of Auburn and South Carolina. So, I don't know. You tell me. Does Alabama lose another game? Do they lose two more games? We're running out of time. It's not an easy schedule. At Kentucky, at Ole Miss, home for Tennessee, at Florida, and home for Arkansas. But I think Auburn has to win out if they want a chance to win this at the SEC to win this conference. They have to win out. But I just don't think that's on the concern or on the minds of Auburn fans, the Auburn players, or head coach Bruce Pearl right now. 334-321-1390, that's the number to get you through to me. Your thoughts on college basketball last night. Your thought as we begin looking ahead for college basketball this weekend. We'll talk some about the NCAA when we come back and question of the day since Apparently, we have new news about the college football playoff. Who cares about the 12 team? Why not have 14? We'll talk about all that when we come back here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. 
You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. All right, back inside the studio here at ESPN 106.7 for the Thursday edition of On the Line. And a couple of things we got to get to before we get to question of the day, and we can talk about this throughout the show today. I want to get to something that was announced and not even really announced. It was just made, brought to the public eye, if you will, about the NCAA today sending out a mass email NCAA is on it again, folks. They are targeting and they're taking down and they are fixing the world's biggest problems. We ought to just send the the national debt to the NCAA. They could probably find a way to fix it. We could send anything we wanted to. Hunger, anything. I mean, they could the NCAA, their priorities are so good that we should send any problem we have and say, "Here you go. You guys should fix it." Wrong. Their priorities are so messed up. And so out of whack, there's a reason that the SEC and the Big Ten have made a group to tell the NCAA to kick rocks very, very soon. It was made aware in the public eye today that the NCAA sent out a mass email letting schools and programs know that from now on moving forward, you can no longer, when you have a recruit come to town, you can no longer decorate their hotel room. In their hotel bed. Do you know what I'm talking about here? When you see the pictures when a big time running back or quarterback or safety, when they go and visit Auburn, LSU, Ohio State, whoever, and when they walk into their hotel room and they've got their favorite snacks and candy, there's Auburn posters, there's t-shirts, cookie cakes, you name it. They just get the whole nine yards. They get pampered. They get treated like they're supposed to on these official visits. Well, the NCAA said, nah, we can't have any of that. No, no. No more cookie cakes. No more shirts. No more candy. Can't have that on official visits. Oh, yeah, by the way, just so y'all don't forget, we also said no more photo shoots when they come for official visits either because that's too much fun. That's too cool. That's too entertaining. Are you joking? This is what the NCAA is working on? This is what they roll into into the office on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday, Thursday, whatever day of the week they work? And they get out of bed, and they go get in the shower, and they're thinking about what is on their to-do list today. And they walk into the office, and they pour their cup of coffee, and they say, what's the biggest problem facing college sports right now? Is it NIL? Nah, that's fine. It's out of control, but it's fine. We don't need to worry about it. What about the transfer portal? Yeah, there's 17 different windows, but eh, that's all right. Let the coaches deal with it. Are we going to worry about scheduling and a new playoff format and conference realignment? Eh, nah, it'll work itself out. Let the schools handle it. But you know what is a really pressing thing that really just gets us upset here in the NCAA offices? I can't stand when they put cookie cakes on the beds of recruits. So we're going to put an end to that today. Are you serious? This is what they go to work and do every day? And this is the organization. This is the governing body of college athletics. What a joke. What an absolute joke that the NCAA is. And it blows my mind. Because they know this is what people think of them. They know 
that this is their reputation. And yet, they continue to double down, triple down, quadruple down on dumb things. And it just blows my mind. So much so that the SEC and the Big Ten, as you know, they've already formulated a group. And I told you that when that happened a few weeks ago, this was the start of those major conferences beginning to separate themselves from the NCAA. And it's going to happen. I've been telling you that for years, that it's going to happen. And that was the first step. And I hope, I really hope, that when they they eventually do it, and they flip the bird to the NCAA and they tell them, yeah, you're not representing us anymore, we represent ourselves, I hope that guys like Greg Sankey put a list together and they say, this is why we're leaving. And they just start rattling them off. You did this. You did this. You wouldn't do this. You wouldn't change this. You poorly controlled this. And man, you could go on for days. Days with that list. And I hope they go top to bottom. And then I hope they publish it online. Because they have so many arguments right now. Does the SEC, the Big Ten, and every major college conference to tell the NCAA, we're done. And it's going to happen. And it's going to happen because of days like today, of instances just like this, where they could be working on how to change the transfer portal windows and signing days to where it actually makes sense for college athletes and college coaches. They could go back and say, hey, let's work on NIL since we just released it to the world and it's been a total cluster since it started. Hey, let's go and see if we can make sure that women's athletics are on the same level as men, where they're not going into weight rooms that don't have weights in them, or they're going into a gym where they don't have locker rooms. But they're not concerned about that. I don't know what their priorities are. They don't have any. They're not worried about it. They should be, but they're not. And for a long, long time, the NCAA was a really, really good organization. It was. It had a purpose. They had goals. They had duties. They had obligations. And they held those, and they did those, and they completed those. And for a long time, they benefited all of the major universities in the, war, in, in the country. The SEC, the Big Ten, ACC, all these major conferences and all the schools that are in them. But that's not the case anymore. It's just not the case. It's hurting, the, it, it's hurting schools like Auburn. It's hurting schools like Colorado, UC, UCLA, Michigan. It's hurting all of those programs. And not just in football, not just basketball. I'm talking top to bottom, left and right. And most importantly, the NCAA was supposed to represent the college athlete. They were supposed to protect the college athlete and be on their side and help them navigate the craziness of college athletics. That's not the case anymore. They don't benefit a college athlete. If anything, they're out to get them. It's what it seems like. There's no guidelines on 
who really is eligible, who's not eligible, who gets a waiver, who doesn't get a waiver, who's allowed to play, who's not allowed to play. It's just so crazy the downward spiral that the NCAA has put themselves in. And you would think they'd be trying to do a little damage control. That's not happening. They double down on the opposite side. It blows my mind, man. And I saw that announcement today, and I just I just laughed out loud. I laughed out loud, and I said, you've got to be kidding me. Because that's just who they are. And they're going to regret it one day. They're going to regret it. When the big-time conferences leave and tell them they don't need them anymore. Because that's been the NCAA's biggest problem. They've had a monopoly. Well, that's about to be taken away. And once that happens, they're going to be in a world of hurt. We'll talk to Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network coming up after this. We'll talk basketball, baseball, and everything else going on around Auburn Athletics. Brad Law will join us when we come back here on ESPN 106.7. Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. And as we are joined every single Thursday in hour number one, it is Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network. Brad, great to hear from you, man. Hope you're doing well. Happy Thursday. Hey, happy Thursday, Jacob. We're just driving down the road headed to Jacksonville, Florida for, for Auburn baseball this weekend. We got sunshine and it's a beautiful day. So uh, we're we're ready. Well, yes. Well, first of all, safe travels to to all of you traveling. Uh, who who all's going with you down to Jacksonville for the weekend? Uh, I've actually I've got Jason Caldwell with me right now. Okay, um, we're kind of we're driving separate. The team got a head start earlier today. You know that SEC swimming championships in town uh, put a put a run on uh, on rental cars, and so we got a little bit of a late start. We'll save you the details of that story. But if you're trying to rent a car in Auburn uh, for the next few days, good luck. <laughs> Well, I'm sure that was a, uh, I'm sure it was a process, but glad that you guys are on the road and making the trip down there. That's going to be a lot of fun this weekend, man. Some big time matchups for Auburn baseball, who is off to a nice start for an O this season. Right. I I love this. It it reminds me a little bit of the the, uh, event that they were in two years ago in Arlington, where they played Oklahoma, Texas Tech and Kansas State, and they won two or three of those. And you know that that team wound up in the College World Series, and you had some guys who the year before had been pressed into maybe a few more innings or roles larger than they had planned the previous year because of injuries and other situations. And that reminds me a lot of this year's team. You have guys who you know now are part of a really deep pitching staff, uh, starters, bullpen, otherwise that you know maybe they had to pitch more innings last year than than they would have if some injuries hadn't played out and now you've got a you've got a deep staff you got guys that you have a lot of confidence in who have pitched in a lot of ball games going to take on Iowa Wichita State and Virginia two ranked teams this weekend minor league ballpark in Jacksonville just going to be a, a fun weekend and an important one potentially for this team to develop and 
and show some folks what it can do as a ranked team itself. Yeah, and try to get some I mean some early resume wins, right? You like you mentioned two ranked teams, top 20 teams that Auburn will be taking on down in Jacksonville. And so, what is it about this Auburn team early on, Brad, as we're talking Auburn baseball that you've taken notice to whether it be offensively, defensively, uh in the special teams category when it comes to base running, fielding, things like that? What have you seen so far that's kind of stuck out to you? Well, I think the three starts that Auburn got on opening weekend are really encouraging. Uh, Chase also, you know, three of the four plus that, that, that he went were really strong and smooth, and he had good command. And you know, Joseph giving you what he gave you, and Carson Myers on Sunday, SEC Pitcher of the Week type stuff. That For that to come on opening weekend, you know, usually opening weekend, especially Coach Thompson and the staff, they really don't try to overexert guys and, and kind of let them get into um, deeper pitch counts as the, as the first month of the season plays out. But, I mean, right away you saw command, uh, you saw effectiveness. I think the, the you know, starters had an ERA of like 1-7 or something like that on opening weekend. So that was encouraging because it was, it, it was right out of the gate. And then I think offensively, the – the fact that Auburn is utilizing its speed on the base paths and they're using the bunning game more than they have in several years, um, I think is a is an indication of things to come. And I think they've got some guys that can handle the bat well in those situations. There's plenty of speed and athleticism. So I'm excited to see how much more or less of that we see this weekend than we did against Eastern Kentucky. Auburn baseball is traveling down to Jacksonville, Florida. They'll be playing in the Jacks College Baseball Classic. Number 18, Iowa tomorrow, Wichita State on Saturday, and then number 10, Virginia on Sunday. As we talk to Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network with us on the road heading down to Jacksonville, we appreciate him being with us. Big weekend for Auburn athletics as basketball will be heading on the road to Athens, Georgia, coming off the loss at home on Saturday against Kentucky, Brad. Yeah, um, and and the midweek, the the bye week, Auburn was one of the last teams to get that open date in the midweek, and so um, time to uh, get a couple of days away, but uh, also time to work without Jalen Williams. Thankfully, his injury, as, as I know y'all talked about, is not a season-ending injury, as was the fear when it first happened. So, who steps up? That's the big question to be answered. Saturday at Georgia, and, and probably maybe for a week or two after that as well, is, uh, is it Chad Baker-Mazzara? Does it you know, become more guard-heavy, and does Denver Jones get you know, 11-12 shot attempts? Is, uh, uh, can Chaney Johnson step into that role and pick up his scoring and, um, and ball movement and, and all the other things that Jalen was able to do for you defensively and otherwise? Uh, somebody has to step up if Auburn wants to try to go on the road these next two games, and contribute to finishing the season the way that we want it to finish. Um, we've talked all year about the depth of this team, and Jalen is a critical piece of this team. Um, but as we've talked about depth and, and guys being able to do different things, being versatile players, now's the time to see that and help close this last month of the season. 
Something that we have talked a lot about in the past couple of days, Brad, with the injury to Jalen Williams and trying to maybe shake them some things up, whether you are forced to or not, is maybe some different rotational looks, whether it be different five guys on the floor or the same guys in different positions. What is your thoughts on on kind of on Auburn having a chance or maybe even needing to have some different rotational changes? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I think you're always asking that question. Coaching staffs are always trying to, you know, you're you are a consistently evolving work in progress as a team throughout a long basketball season. And you know, as you as you go into the last third of the conference schedule, what are you doing well? What are teams starting to key on? What are your answers to that? And um, you know, it's, it's why you saw Denver Jones play a little bit of point. Uh, there for a handful of games. It wouldn't surprise me in Jalen's absence uh, to see, I mean, I, I said before, maybe more Chad Baker, Mazzara, maybe more Chaney Johnson. Um, do we see Janai Broom and Dylan Cardwell? Do you, do you slip Janai to the four and, and let him extend a little bit? He can do that defensively, and, and certainly we know he, he can do it offensively as well. He can play with his back to the basket or facing the basket. So, um, I'm I, again. I'm interested to see what those answers are and what we see them try. I don't think the Kentucky game necessarily was about needing new rotations. Like I don't think pre-injury, it was as much about different rotations being needed. The Kentucky game specifically, Auburn had its worst home shooting game in eight years, and so you know all of the adverse stats in those game in that game. You know whether it's no assists. From your, from your point guards. Well, if, if we're making shots, then those guys do have assists. I mean, there's, there's no question what Kentucky did was effective defensively, but it wasn't the, the sole reason that Auburn had its toughest shooting game at home in eight years. So that's, you know, that's, that's the category of an anomaly. It's something that you don't expect to happen. It, it is not the pattern. It's the exception to the pattern. It's the outlier. And so, um, but post-injury here these next couple of weeks, yeah, who and it's about who takes advantage of the opportunity. And whichever player or players take advantage of the opportunity, their rotations will be greater or, or longer. Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network with us here on ESPN 106.7. Looking around the SEC, especially since the results happened the way they did last night, it seems that Auburn's SEC regular season championship, I guess odds, if you will, are slipping away thanks to Alabama getting a comeback win against Florida last night and the Tigers, of course, dropping the one on Saturday. Do you think that in the mind of the players and the coaches, and this is strictly just an opinion question, Brad, but do you think that that is on their minds or if it's just, hey, let's see how we can get better, make ourselves the best we can be before postseason play begins? No, I think until you're officially eliminated from contention, your goal is still to win the championship. And and your goal is, well, and frankly, your goal is, is to focus on Georgia right now and do everything you can to prepare for and beat Georgia. And then after that game, you spend all of your energy trying to prepare and beat Tennessee. Um, and Alabama still has to go on the road to Florida. They still go to Kentucky. Um, they've got, you know, it, it's not a cakewalk for them the rest of the way through. And so um, I, I think in the back of your mind, you know what the standings are and you know whether they're long odds or, or short odds, what that picture looks like. And I will say this, if, you're, if your focus is off of 
preparing to beat Georgia, that's an advantage to Georgia. Your focus is just on your next opponent. But, you know, I mean, you I don't think you ever lose hope, though, of, of, or take that goal off the board um, as a player until it's officially mathematically off the board. So somebody, you know, let's take it off for you. That's right. And with Auburn basketball, they've got Georgia this weekend. Still a big date with Tennessee on the road. They play that Georgia team twice here down the stretch. So uh, everything's still in front of Bruce Pearl and the Tigers. And uh, Brad, before we let you get out of here, know you're driving on the road and, and want you to get down there safely. Next time we talk to you next week on Thursday, spring practice for Auburn football will have begun. And uh, it's pretty crazy to think about uh, spring football already being here. Yeah, it is. I love the fact, though, that we haven't been like counting down the days for the last two months because that, that tells you where basketball and baseball and other sports are yeah. on campus right now, that there is that much excitement, and, and we're, we're happy about that. But, yeah, football with, with the inc- incoming recruiting class and you know now veteran leaders hoping to make a jump from year one to year two under Coach Freeze and the new members of the coaching staff, and there's – in the current setup, there's always going to be that air of newness whenever a new spring practice begins. And I just, again, I think you've got this continuation of this positivity, this optimism, this hope going from year one to year two under Coach Freeze. And, you know, whether it's defensive line, pass rush, wide receivers, uh, improvement at the quarterback spot, um, secondary, who's, you know, who's stepping up there to replace some of the guys that you've lost there in key roles a lot of really important battles play out in the spring and so it'll be good to get that started and start to to follow all the coverage that comes out of spring well so much happening right now around auburn athletics and especially over at the auburn sports network tiger talk tonight with the with the with the main man on the road what's going on with tiger talk tonight brad tell people what's coming up Uh, no andy bertram is not on the road he is uh, (laughs) Voice of the Tigers will be there. Bomb Howard's Victory Grill tonight, and, and hope uh, those listening, if you you know if you don't have your dinner plans already set, get out to Bomb Howard's tonight. We're going to have three head coaches there. Uh, not only will Bruce Pearl be on the show tonight, but uh, we'll have visits with Jeff Graber to talk Auburn gymnastics, Melissa Llewellyn to talk women's golf. Uh, we'll they'll have giveaways and um, of course great food and, and drinks at Bomb Howard's. It'll be a fun time tonight, six o'clock. And we hope people will join us either on the radio or in person there at the restaurant. Yes, Tiger Talk tonight, 6 o'clock over on Wings 94.3 and wingsfm.com. Busy weekend with basketball on Saturday night, Saturday evening on Wings. And then baseball is going to be on Wings this weekend. Possibly a Saturday game on AU100, just kind of depending on the time and weather and everything down there in Jacksonville. Yeah, it's looking good for both games to be on Wings. Saturday right now there's you know about a 50 percent chance of rain tomorrow but Saturday looks clear and I don't think this is the kind of event where if weather monkeys around with things tomorrow that it would roll over into Saturday so we're looking clear we're looking for 70 plus is the high down here in Jacksonville and we'll uh we'll try to convey that to, to everybody back home Awesome, man. Well, hey, you and uh, Jason, be careful driving down. Safe travels there and back. Have a great call this weekend, and we'll talk to you next Thursday. 
Thank you, Jacob. Appreciate it. War Eagle. That's Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network with us on the road heading down to Jacksonville as Auburn baseball in the Jack City Classic. Got Tiger Talk coming up tonight, basketball Saturday, and baseball all weekend long. And, of course, you can find all of those broadcasts on our family of stations here at Auburn Network on Wings 94.3 and AU100. We'll take our final break here in hour number one, come back, wrap it up, and we'll get into hour number two here on the Thursday edition of On the Line on ESPN 1067. are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. We appreciate Brad Law joining us from the road as him and uh, had a, a friend with him, Jason Caldwell, good friend of the station here, with him in the car as they head down to Jacksonville for the Jack City Classic Auburn Baseball. We'll be participating in that this weekend, so we appreciate Brad Law joining us from the Auburn Sports Network. Got a couple of minutes left in hour number one. We'll get into hour number two. We need to uh, continue talking a little basketball, other news around Auburn Athletics, and then Chris Gordy from the Locked on SEC podcast will join us in hour number two. We'll talk all things SEC. We'll get basketball, baseball, may even talk a little college football with spring practice right around the corner. We've got all sorts of official announcements about uh, the college football 25 game, right? The college, the brand new college football video game. And look, I don't know how many of you and my listeners are into video games or played the last college football game that was in 2014 so we're going on 10 years since we've had a new college football game but I know I still play the old one a lot of my buddies still play the old one it's still one of the greatest sports games ever created and now what's interesting about the new game is that it's supposed to be coming out this summer I saw some leaks possibly July of 2024 Uh, so hopefully it'll be coming out sometime this summer and what that means for student athletes something that's going to be completely different is the fact that in the old games since NIL wasn't a thing yet they could not have their their names or like their actual faces or anything like that in the game itself it would have it was just number two was the quarterback or number 21 or whatever right the halfback number 21 like that's all they could put in there they couldn't actually put their actual information well now in the era of nil they can which is really really cool they'll put their actual stats their actual names their actual numbers their actual details all that good stuff because EA Sports, the the company that's over the new college football game, they can pay for that now. They can pay student athletes to have their name, image, and likeness in a video game, which is really, really cool. And the early reported numbers for any student athlete, I guess I should say college athlete, college football athlete, because that's what the video game is, any college football player will have the option to opt in to the video game. And if they do, if they opt in to have their name and their image and their likeness and all that stuff in the game itself, they're going to get an NIL check of $600 plus they're going to get a copy of the video game, which typically costs anywhere from 60 to 70 bucks. So that's pretty cool, I think. That is the easiest $600 you're ever going to make because you don't have to do anything. And then you're going to get a copy of the game and you will actually be in the video game so I think that's really cool and I think that's one of the highlights and benefits of NIL this is what NIL was created for 
was things like this. This is why NIL payments were created. So that player X, Y, and Z could have their name on a video game. They could put their name on a jersey. They could do things like this based off of their name, their image, and their likeness inside the game of college football. Not used as a recruiting tool to pay kids $5 million to go play at school X, Y, or Z. It was used for athletes to make money while they were in school based off of what they've done on the football field. So that's what is really cool about this is the fact that every student or every football player that wants to be a part of it, they can. And now you're going to make 600 bucks. You're going to get a copy of the game. And there you go. It's pretty easy. Now, I've heard some people and seen some people say, well, $600, that's not that much. First of all, you can give me $600 if you'd like, because I think that's a lot of money. And B, think about every single player that says, yeah, I want in. That's $600 a pop. That's not cheap. That's a lot of money. And you get a copy of the game. I don't know. I think it's really cool. Going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited, personally. I'm a video game guy. I like playing games. I love playing the college football games. I Like I said, I still play the one from 10 years ago because I think it's still that much fun. And uh, let me tell you, App State is one of the best programs in the sport when I'm running the show because I've won them numerous national championships in that video game. So excited for that. I'm excited for the NIL opportunities that present themselves as well with that college game. And we'll see if it leads to anything else. I don't know. Other games, um, other sports possibly, other opportunities. I don't know. I think we're going to find out. But it's nice to see... A game coming back, a college football video game coming back, and players able to make true money off their name, image, and likeness. This is what it was created for. Hour number one is in the books coming up. We'll have more football basketball talks coming up in hour number two. Plus, Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SCC podcast, will be joining us in the second hour. Phone lines are open. Give me a call. I'd love to hear from you on this Thursday. 334-321-1390. Hour number two coming up. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. 
Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway here in hour number two on this Thursday edition of On the Line. Hour number one flew by, man, and yesterday's show went by quick, too. It's crazy. Time flies when you're having a good time, and we are doing just that here on ESPN 106.7. I'm your man, Jacob Goetz, with you for another hour as we get underway here in hour number two. If you missed any of the first hour, you can find the podcast at ESPNAU.com, or you can just search On the Line where ever you get your podcast we talked to brad law in hour number one from the Auburn sports network as he is on the road heading down to jacksonville to uh, call the Auburn baseball games this weekend as the tigers are in the jack city classic taking on iowa wichita state and virginia two of those teams iowa and virginia are top 20 programs right now in college baseball so talk to him about that also talked about Auburn basketball as they head on the road to Athens this weekend and also uh, getting into Tiger Talk tonight as they will have three head coaches on the program this evening with Andy Burcham. So that was all in hour number one. We talked about the NCAA, talked about games from last night in college basketball. And if you missed my, uh, I went after the NCAA today, man. I was on one. They got me all fired up. So that was in hour number one. Coming up here in hour number two, we are going to talk with Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, coming up in about 30 minutes or so. And and also beginning and continuing, I guess, to talk Auburn basketball as we look ahead to this weekend. And so your thoughts on that, your thoughts on anything else going on in the world of sports, we'd love to get your thoughts on it and you can be a part of the show. 334-321-1390 as you can be a part of it for the next 30 minutes or so here on the show. And you know, you look around the SEC and you look at Auburn right now. We were talking to Brad about this and got into an interesting conversation that the SEC, the regular season title, is still technically up for grabs. It's still in play for a handful of teams. Alabama sitting at the top got their, I'm not going to say a lucky win because it wasn't. They came back and fought and earned it. Florida blew it, but Alabama earned it. And You have Alabama at the top. You've got Tennessee still hanging around. Only one game back. Auburn two games back. South Carolina two games back. Which makes that Auburn-Tennessee game even bigger when Auburn goes on the road to Knoxville in just a couple of games. And it also, a reminder, that Alabama plays Kentucky this weekend. They still play Tennessee again as well. So it's still anybody's league right now if the right teams lose and the right teams win and Auburn continues or I guess gets back on track and wins out they have a chance to win the regular season conference championship but with our guest coming up later on Chris Gordy him and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago fans care about the regular season champ well instead of me telling you how about I ask How much does the regular season conference championship matter to you as a fan? In college basketball, how much does the regular season championship really matter to you? You may think it's everything. You may think it's nothing. You may think, yeah, it's cool if it happens, but not overly concerned if it doesn't. Where do you stand on that? 334-321-1390, give me a call. Because we were having this conversation a couple of weeks ago And Chris made the statement that fans don't particularly care about the regular season conference championship if it doesn't come with postseason results. 
if it doesn't come with an SEC tournament championship? And more importantly, if it doesn't come with wins in the NCAA tournament in March Madness? And I think he's right. I think he's absolutely right. I talked about this today with Doug Amos on his show for the Max Roundtable. If you don't get postseason results, everything else you do just gets dampered down. It doesn't mean that you winning 20-plus games isn't a good thing. It doesn't mean that if you do win the SEC regular season championship that you shouldn't hang a banner and celebrate and let the confetti fly. doesn't mean you can't be happy about those things. But at the end of the day, it's about winning a national championship. It's about winning the ones that truly matter, the ones that everybody's fighting for. And I think that's an interesting conversation. I think it's an interesting topic, and I think it's one that Auburn fans have differentiating opinions on, and that's okay. That's okay. There's no right answer here. But I'm curious on what you think. 334 Three, two, one, thirteen, ninety. Let's get to the phone lines. Ed, you're on the line, man. How are you? I'm doing fine, Jacob. How are you doing? I'm doing okay, man. What's on your mind? Uh, uh, well, I was just going to say a couple of things. Uh, uh, talk a little basketball just for a second. Okay. Uh, uh, but as far as what you're saying, and I agree with you that uh, fans, and it's a little bit to do with just the product. It's hard to get excited about as long as the basketball season is. Yeah, the regular season championship just doesn't seem to mean as much as the tournament because the tournament's so exciting. Yeah, but yeah. You ask the players and the coaches, and you go to those uh, arenas, and they they hang up their banners, you know, for both. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's. I think it's a little. It, it, I think it means a lot to coaches. Yeah, and you know, Bruce Pearl preaches, you know, we're here, and that's what he says at the beginning of the year, we're here to win an SEC championship. He talks about that yeah. every single year because it does matter, and I don't want it to come off saying that yeah. I, I don't think it does because you're right, they hang banners for both, but you bring up an, an intriguing point about the tournament meaning more to a lot of people because it's so much more exciting because it's all packed in those couple of days. Oh, absolutely. It, it's so much fun, and, and you know, and but you, I don't know if you remember LSU, used to uh they would uh when Dell Brown was there, he would almost just uh set out the L- the SEC tournament mm-hmm. to get his team ready for the uh for the NCAA tournament. He he would play subs. He he thought the SEC tournament was nothing. You know, that was his I mean so there's been you know, uh, this is not me, that's he's a pretty important important coach. Yeah. But I, but yeah, but but uh, and and plus that's been a few years back. Mm-hmm. But, but anyway, I was going to talk to you about this. The guy I don't I, I know you've heard about him, Debonster, uh, the number one recruit that reclassified from twenty six to twenty five that mm-hmm. is looking at Auburn. Have you talked about him any? Uh, no, I haven't. I haven't really mentioned a whole lot about it. But um, I think it's important, and I think it's something that Auburn fans should keep their eyes on. Yeah, I, I mean. I, it would just be to me. He's a he's a six eight six nine guard, about two hundred. He, he won't play but a year. He's a number one recruit. He, I think he's out of Massachusetts. But uh, a lot of the recruiting services right now have Auburn as one of the highest teams. Wouldn't it be fun to see what Bruce Pearl could do one year with a point guard that's six eight? 
it wouldn't it be fun yes it would and that's something that <laughs> we've started to get into conversations about ed is 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 the small guard recruiting strategy is it working anymore and i think that's a legitimate question we have to ask and and, and you know and what hurt us uh kept it when Trey Donaldson gets in. He's, what, about 6'3", but he, he got four fouls so early. And he looked back, and he got, I, I love Sharif Cooper. I love the small guards, and I know Jarrett Harper wasn't that tall. But but it's just, I, I'm with you. I, you know, I think about 6'3", you know, but, but it would be just, it would just be so much fun to see Bruce play with that lineup for a year. You know, and uh, But anyway, Warrior guy, and Yeah, appreciate the call, Ed. Great to hear from you. 334-321-1390. And, yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm absolutely with you where, look, I've had these conversations off the air, and and I think we can start to have them on the air where we're not questioning Bruce Pearl. We're not questioning whether he knows how to recruit good players or not. But look around the sport of basketball. And I didn't say college basketball. I said basketball. Look at the NBA. Look at college. Look at high school. The bigger guards are the ones that have the success. Look at what John Calipari does at Kentucky. And I know that they're not winning championships. I get that. But look at the guys that they are recruiting. Look at the guards on that team right now. They are tall. They're lengthy. They're athletic. And they have some serious skill, and they're going to be really good at the next level. And compare that to what Auburn has on their roster right now, guard-wise. Auburn is small in the guard category. They have been for a long time. I know Alan Flanagan was a guard. He was your shooting guard, but I don't know. You could, you could put him as a, as a small forward if you really wanted to. But I think it's time to start considering... Does Auburn and Bruce Pearl need to change up the strategy just a hair to go after those bigger guards who can get in the lane, finish through contact, get fouled, shoot over people instead of your smaller handle guards that have to launch it from half court to make sure they get it off over somebody? I'm, I don't know. I think that's up for debate. I really do. I think that is up for debate. I think it is something that needs to be brought up, and I think lots of people can get in on this. And at that point, you know, you just, you have to, I'm with Ed. It would be exciting to see a 6'7", 6'8", guard come into Auburn and and just just let it rip. 334-321-1390, let's get to the phone lines. Do we have a celebrity on the phone lines? Is that what I hear? What's up, Jacob? What's up, Uncle Tebow, my co-host Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. I smoked you out on a Thursday. I must have said something right or wrong. Smoked me out. I think Mississippi State smoked you out oh. last night, brother. Oh. <laughs> That's what I get for choosing a team to go on the road and win in conference play. I should have known better. What happened to Kentucky last night, Jacob? Oh. I went to bed a little earlier after the Alabama game. and Kudos to the Tide for taking care of business, but... Goodness gracious, what, I woke up to UK getting the floor stormed on them. Yeah, yeah, man, LSU LSU hung around and Kentucky played with their food a little bit. The Cats couldn't handle the big tiger of LSU, and, man, that was one of the craziest, dumbest game winners I've ever seen. You know, has Auburn gotten to be such a big program that when you beat them at home, you're going to have an emotional letdown the next game? <laughs> 
That's that's what people are saying, Uncle T-Bone. I don't know, though. Uh, i got to get in real quick on the SEC regular season championship talk. Uh-oh. That's why I called in. Uh-oh. You know, it really matters if you're the team that does it. But for the 13 other schools and fan bases, most people look at it like not that big a deal. The tournament is far more prestigious to win than the regular season. Hmm. In my opinion. You think it's more prestigious, huh? Very much so. Okay. I think it's I think I think it's almost more difficult. Hear me out on that. How many teams not named Kentucky historically really have dominated in that tournament? Historically not nobody. I mean Alabama's done a good job in it. Uh, as of late here yeah in the last few well, years under yeah. Wimp Sanderson they did yeah yeah that's fair um but you know you look at I gotta ask the question because I'm nowhere near a computer has Auburn won the tournament more or the regular season championship more that's a good question I don't know that off the top of my head I'm gonna say the tournament just because I think it is see I think it is harder to win the regular season because it's more games drawn out over a longer period of time and I think it's easier to get hot in a four-day setting than it is a three-month setting in my lifetime I think I've only counted twice that Auburn's done it what done the the regular season or the tournament no sir no sir the 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 tournament yeah yeah I it's it hasn't uh, – neither one of them have happened too often, but Auburn has won their handful of <laughs> regular great. season – their regular season championships here as of late. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think around 1985-86 they won it against Alabama with a late layup by Frank Ford or Gerald White. I can't quite remember. And then I know they won it a few years back in 19 when they make, made their run. So I just think that I really feel like the tournament's just a uh, – uh, a bigger notch in your belt when you take it down. That's all I got. I'll see you tomorrow, folks. Yes, sir. See you tomorrow, Uncle Tebow. Appreciate you calling in. You'll be back in studio between 2 and 4 p.m. here on ESPN tomorrow. And according to the research team here at ESPN 106.7, Auburn basketball has five regular season turn or regular season SEC championships and just two SEC tournament championships. So to T-Bone's argument, Maybe it is harder to win the SEC tournament than it is the SEC regular season tournament. I, despite the numbers for Auburn in particular, I disagree because, again, I think it's easier to get hot in four days than it is to get hot over three months. But I think when you start talking about the impact and the ones that people remember, it's absolutely the SEC tournament over the SEC regular season champ. Because like Ed said, it's so exciting. It's so much fun. And it's all packed in there in a four or five day window in Nashville versus the SEC regular season that starts at the end of December. It's like, oh, okay, you won the regular season, but now it's postseason time. We don't care about the regular season anymore. Nobody cares. Hang your banner. Do whatever. It's time to play the SEC tournament. Who's going to make a run? Who's going to get hot? Who's going to get the automatic bid into the NCAA tournament, which I bring this up every time. I think that's dumb. I think it should be the regular season champ that gets the automatic bid, not the tournament champion, but that's just my opinion. And then you you start looking towards the NCAA tournament 
which is what everybody gets excited about. And of course, that's what everybody remembers because that's what you're all playing for. You're playing to get to the tournament, you're playing to make a run in the tournament, and you're playing to win a national championship. And it still remains, I think in college athletics, the toughest championship to win outside of baseball maybe because of how whack the tournament is because of how many teams make it how it's set up you travel who knows where you're playing teams you've never seen before and it's all packed in there in a what two and a half three week window I mean it's wild and it's so much fun the coverage of it's insane and so that's what everybody remembers that's the one that leaves the lasting impact 95% of fans don't care that you went on the road and beat Georgia back in January. 95% of the fans don't care that you were able to beat Mississippi State on your home floor. And I'm just talking in general. I'm not talking Auburn or anybody specific here. Fans don't care about that come March. Some do. I do. Because I'm in the business. And that's what matters. I talk about it on a daily basis. But for the average basketball fan... The non-just statistical nerds and gurus, which I love you all, but outside of those, January doesn't matter. February doesn't matter. All you care about is March, and I totally get it. And you're in the majority. And I don't hate it. That's the fun part. That's the fun part of college basketball. And so, I leave the question open to you. What means more to you as a fan? whether you're an Auburn fan listening, Alabama fan, I don't care what kind of fan you are. I don't care who you root for. In college basketball, what means more to you as a fan? The conference tournament or the conference regular season? 334-321-1390. That's the number. Come on in. Be a part of it. We got one more segment. We'll get to our break. We'll come back, talk about that, have a question of the day if we don't have any responses there, and then we'll get to Chris Gordy host of the Locked on SCC podcast. All that coming up here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Stay tuned. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Question of the day here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Been a while since we've done an official question of the day, but we talked a lot of basketball today, and I want to get to a little bit of football before we take our bottom of the hour break and get to Chris Gordy from Locked on SEC. We talked a lot about this yesterday with Uncle T-Bone about the uh, playoff now it's still a 12-team format but they've gone to the five plus seven format right five highest rated conference champions and then the uh, seven highest ranked teams at large to make the 12-team playoff but there was news that came out today that apparently the SEC the Big Ten some of the big dogs they're already talking about a 14-team playoff yes one four 14 14 team playoff and we haven't even started in the 12 team playoff on the side of college football now again what does it all come down to what is college football all about ready on three one two three money thank you right it's about the money so of course the SEC and the Big Ten want to have more games because they want more teams to get or they want more teams to get in so they have more teams represented so that way they make more money exactly so here's the question of the day 
And this is from uh, one of my two wonderful interns, J.D. He gave me this today, talking about the college football playoff. And with the four-team playoff, one, two, three, four, the four-representative playoff now being officially over. We had 10 years of it, and it was a lot of fun. Which one, which year was your favorite playoff of the four? Of the four-team playoff in 10 years, which one was your favorite? I think there's some really exciting games in there, some good semifinal games, good national championship games. Uh, Of course, Auburn was not a part of uh, any of them, so that's cool. But there's a lot of of exciting ones. And my initial answer was year one, was the very first year of it back in – the 2014 season, but it was 2015 when it was played. But the semifinals was number two, Oregon, number three, Florida State. That was Marcus Mariota. That was also Florida State with Jameis Winston. And that's when Oregon just drummed Florida State. I mean, just put it on them in the Rose Bowl. That's also when Ohio State, who made it in as a four seed with their third string quarterback, came in and beat Alabama in one of the best games you're going to see in a long time. And then Ohio State went on to win the national championship with that third string and became the first college football playoff national champion. There's some other good ones in there. You've got the Georgia-Oklahoma Rose Bowl year back in 2018, 2019, or 2017, 2018, I guess, when Georgia beat Oklahoma in double overtime, 54-48. You also had Alabama, who beat Clemson that year, 24-6. And then Alabama beat Georgia in overtime. That's the Tua Tungavailoa game, where he came in the second half and delivered a dart down the sideline to take down Georgia for Alabama to win the national championship. That was an exciting one also. You've got a lot of blowouts in there. You've got the LSU year, where they just rolled everybody. I mean, there was nobody stopping that LSU team. That Clemson-Ohio State game was good. LSU beat Oklahoma 63-28 and then beat Clemson 42-25. Again, people still discussing if that was the greatest offense to ever be put together. But there are some exciting ones with with Clemson and our general manager Steve Witten of the Auburn Network is saying 2018 and 2016 and that 2016 was good too. That's when Clemson beat Oklahoma. People forget about that game sometimes I feel like. It's when Alabama routed Michigan State, and then you had Alabama beat Clemson 45-40. to That was a really good game, but then the next year is when Clemson got their revenge and beat Alabama in the, in the national championship after Alabama routed Washington like we all knew they would, and Clemson blanked Ohio State 31-0. Then Clemson got their revenge and beat Alabama. Just so many good ones, right? So many good ones. You had 2023 with TCU and Michigan and Georgia, Ohio State, two of the best semifinal games we ever saw. Now, the national championship wasn't any good. Georgia won 65-7. to But those two were some of the best semifinal games we got to see. And then I think you have to look at this past year, too. I mean, what a way to go out this past season. The national championship wasn't great, I'll admit. It wasn't great. But those two semifinal games were unbelievable. Michigan taking down Alabama in overtime. Washington and Texas going down to the wire. Just so many good games here. So many good games. And you've got a lot of, uh, a lot of common representatives in here. Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson. Right? Lots of, 
Lots of very popular representatives. And that's why I think a lot of people want to go to the 12-team playoff. And shoot, sounds like some people want to go to 14. Get some different teams in there. We want it to be fair. We want more teams to have a shot. It's still going to be the ones at the top that are at least there or around it somehow. But we've talked about how college football has balanced itself out a little bit. So I don't know. The 14 playoff era is over. Lots of great games. Lots of great championship games as well. And now we enter a new era in the 12-team college football playoff. When we come back, we'll talk to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, our longtime Thursday guest. Everything going on around the Southeastern Conference. That's coming up after this. With Jacob Goetz on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back as we are joined, as we always are on Thursdays, guy who's been with me for a long, long time, Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, is with us on the phone lines. Chris, hope you're doing well on this Thursday and uh, happy crossover season, man. Yeah, definitely, man. There's a lot going on, and uh, man, we're getting the home stretch here with, what, five games left for uh, most of the uh, SEC teams in basketball. So uh, a lot still to be played for and a lot uh, to, be determined, to be determined here still. Well, so many huge results that have been happening in the last week since the last time that we talked to you. Of course, we had the Auburn-Kentucky game. Uh, you've got the the games that happened last night. You've got Kentucky coming off the win over Auburn and then get beat on a buzzer beater by LSU. Alabama, thanks to a blown game by Florida, they continue to be out in front in the SEC. I mean, what have you seen over the past week around this conference on the hardwood? Well, I, I'll tell you, LSU is, is certainly looking like a spicy little team now. They go into South Carolina and hand South Carolina a loss on their on their home court, and then last night, uh, buzzer beater to beat Kentucky. I mean, that's that's back to back top twenty wins. And what's crazy is, you know, we weren't really talking about LSU. I've you know been talking about them as this middle of the pack team that's not very good. But you look at the rest of their schedule; they play Mississippi State, Georgia, Vandy, Arkansas, Mizzou. There's a realistic chance LSU. I don't think they'll win out, but like has a chance to win four of their last five and go from basically fighting for an NIT bid to suddenly they're on bubble watch and a team that could certainly make the tournament. And it's just kind of interesting because I know A&M and Ole Miss have both kind of been those teams on the tournament, on the bubble. And both those teams have been losing, you know, Ole Miss loses last night. A&M's lost, I think, three in a row now. And they've really dropped out of this thing where, you know, for much of this year, we, we thought Buzz Williams and A&M were a tournament team. So, yeah, it's just kind of going to be interesting what happens uh, down the stretch. I thought that that loss for Auburn, look, there's no harm in losing to Kentucky ever in basketball because, you know, they're, they're always good. They're always loaded with talent. But I just thought given what, what had happened there, you know, fans camping out and, you know, being undefeated at Neville Arena all year, you just felt like, oh, man, like, Auburn should have won that one, and they just didn't bring their A game, and Kentucky did, so you tip your cap. But um, I think Auburn will be fine here. It's just, you know, you start to get that separation now with Alabama uh, and even Tennessee being a game up that, you know, there's there's no room for error here for Auburn. I mean, they got to go, go out and take care of business the rest of the way. 
Well, we've had lots of conversations over the last couple of days with the SEC regular season title still being up for grabs. Alabama sitting at the top. Tennessee's a game back. And then Auburn, South Carolina are both two games back. But you got to remember Alabama and Auburn both play Tennessee here down the stretch. And I mean, well, I don't have to tell you how important those games are now. Yeah, no doubt. And, and that's what's going to be so fun is, is you know, a, a lot of these head-to-heads are, are going to matter still and, and who, you know, who you beat. And I do think, you know, Georgia Georgia's a, a scrappy team that, yes, if you if you don't come ready to play, they could beat you. But I still, you know, my expectations are that Auburn should beat them twice. You should beat Missouri and you should beat Mississippi State at home. So, really, that road trip to Tennessee, I think, is, is Auburn's last, you know, chance at a pitfall. But, um, you know, even if if you lose that one, you win four out of five. Let's see what Tennessee does. You know, maybe the head-to-head won't come into play. We'll see. But um, yeah, I, I do think Auburn does have a a favorable schedule here on, on the back stretch. And a conversation that's been brought up today numerous times, and and I wanted to get back in it with you is the the comparison of the SEC regular season championship versus the SEC tournament championship, and where fans. Uh, what do they care about more? And it seems like more fans care about the SEC tournament just because of the impact that it has, the NCAA tournament bid, the more exciting of the two. I mean, it, that that conversation seems to be coming back up around town since Auburn uh, may or may not be winning an SEC regular season title. Yeah, it's fun to hang the banner and, and say you won the regular season you know, title and all that. To me, that is the harder accomplishment for – the SEC tournament, all that, all that really matters for is for the teams that are middle of the pack and lower, because it gives them a chance to punch their ticket. You know, if they if they can get hot and, and win it all or even get to the title. Uh, remember, was it a year or two ago? A and M was was kind of mediocre, but yeah. they got hot in the SEC tournament. I think lost to Tennessee in the championship game, but that that bumped A and M up in the seeding. It got them into the tournament and. Um, you know, the, it's always good for those kind of teams, but really the top teams, uh, you know, for the Alabamas, the Tennessees, the, the Auburns, like, you know, the, the goal is always kind of win, win a game. Like you don't want to be one and done, right? You win a game or even two, and that'll kind of help solidify, you know, for instance, we get to the end of the season, they're looking at Auburn and going, yeah, they're kind of teetering on, you know, as a four seed, but maybe they could be a three seed. Like what you just don't want to happen is lose. Go to, go to the SEC tournament, lose, lose the game, and be done. And you know they drop you to a five seed because of that. Um, they, they, the committee hasn't seemed to overreact to that kind of stuff, but it just always feels like take care of your business, win a game, and at least you know they're not going to turn their nose up on you. Whatever your seating was going into the SEC tournament, you know that's where you'll be seated. So, uh, and again, I do think there is a little bit of room for movement here for for Alabama, Tennessee, and Auburn, and I'll put South Carolina in a conversation as well. Um, you know, Joe Lunardi's been doing his bracketology every week, updating it, and um, you know there, there is some room for movement there for some of the SEC teams. You bring up that bracketology, and that's where I was going next. It's it's a couple of days old. Lunardi has not updated it since I uh, believe Tuesday, but. Nine SEC teams are slated in the tournament as of right now. That is with Texas A&M being a last four by and Ole Miss being the last team in the tournament. Now, of course, they lost on the road last night, so maybe some shakeups. But nine SEC teams in the tournament, Chris, is that feasible? No, I, I don't think that's I, I think you'll get seven or eight. Um, it has been a good year for the SEC, though. That They have been well-respected. I mean, when you talk about, I think, what, six teams – 
ranked in the in the top twenty five currently. So you know it, it has been you know a, a better year for the SEC as a whole, better talent across the board. But I don't know, man. When we start getting into you know what always happens is we get to tournament time. And one of these stupid rinky-dink schools jumps up and steals a bid, whether it's the Richmond Spiders or <laughs> Belmont. You know, one of these schools that's like 500, yes. but, man, they got on a heater and they won their conference They won their conference, conference tournament. tournament, yes. And suddenly they start stealing bids from some of the big, the major conferences. So it, it happens every year. That's why I'm just – I'm going to be a little bit pessimistic here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that the SEC gets robbed of a couple of – I just – I don't see it. I don't think they get nine teams then. It just seems like a lot, man. That's a lot for the SEC where, look, there's still people making arguments that it's the best conference in college basketball, but I think that crown has to be given to the Big 12. And you and I can be, I mean, we can be open about it. I know you do the Locked on SEC podcast, but it's hard to argue how good the Big 12 is. Yeah, they've been been really solid. And and obviously the addition, it's funny, in football, the the new additions didn't didn't fare so well. But in, in basketball, I mean, you had Houston, I mean, we're, we're a couple days away from Houston probably jumping back into the number one slot, number one in the country. So, you know, they've been great. Obviously, UCF's not been not been very good. Cincinnati's been somewhat uh, somewhat competitive, and BYU's actually been pretty good, uh, at least in Big 12 play. But, yeah, it's, it's headlined by Houston, Iowa State, Kansas, Baylor, uh, Texas Tech. The Longhorns and the Sooners have been, you know, respectable, although uh, – the Longhorns, man, I thought Rodney Terry, you know, before the season, they were a preseason top 25 team, and they've kind of fallen back. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I think top to bottom, probably you would say the, you give the edge to the Big 12, but I don't think it's that far off. I mean, again, they've, they've probably got, I think it's just about the same amount of ranked teams as the SEC has currently. And both of them are just so, so good, and it seems like they're just in their own league compared to, what, the Big 10 or the Big East or even the ACC and Pac-12 those conferences that have just been just been down over the years and just don't have as many representatives here as of late. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the ACC, it's, you know, you got Duke and Carolina have really turned on since they got into the conference play, and Virginia's pretty good. But, I, I mean, nobody else really from the ACC has jumped out to me this year that, that I've watched. You mentioned the Big East, and, yes, you got UConn, Marquette, and, and Creighton. You could throw Seton Hall in that mix, but outside of that, you know, uh, Providence, Villanova, Xavier, they've all kind of been down this year a little bit. So, yeah, and even the Big Ten, I think, is, you know, it's Purdue and Illinois, but you know, maybe you throw Wisconsin in the mix, but, you know, everybody else has kind of been about, about 500 in conference play. So, uh, yeah, it, it's – look, I think the SEC does deserve a little bit of hat tip this year, but – like I said, when we get into the Ohio Valley Conference and the Northeast Conference, let's see how many of those teams still bid. <laughs> and I'm sure it will happen because it does every single year. We're talking with Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, your daily go-to spot for SEC athletics on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. As you look towards this weekend in basketball before we get to the baseball side of things, Alabama on the road in Lexington playing in Rupp Arena, a place that – in the past, not many teams have gotten wins, but this year has not been uh, the fortress of solitude for John Calipari and the Cats. You have Texas A&M and Tennessee, an interesting game with A&M fighting for a spot inside the tournament. Mississippi State and LSU has become a lot more intriguing game here down the stretch. South Carolina, Ole Miss, and then the one that matters to the folks here in town, Auburn and Georgia. Yeah, there, there's some good ones, uh, obviously, this weekend, uh, you know, no bigger to me the the Alabama Kentucky game is is, is going to be an awesome one. 
Um, it, it's do or die time for Cal Perry. I mean, they, they have to win this one. They have to find a way. Um, you know, you, you go and you, you get a, such a good road win at Auburn to add to your resume, and then you lose all goodwill from that by going on the road and losing at LSU last night. So th- this would be a big feather in their cap if they could beat Alabama. And, um, look, man, Rob Dillingham, that, that kid is, is, is a freaking stud. The way he was playing last night at LSU, every big shot they needed, he hit, you know, he even hit the go-ahead shot in the final seconds. Yeah. Should have been the game winner. Uh, but LSU answers on the other end as time expired. That so, was that was such a uh, dumb shot, man. I don't know how else you pulled that off. <laughs> hey, man, sometimes sometimes you need luck on, on your side. But hey, you're you're not complaining, um, right? Well, yeah. I mean, look, I, <laughs> I, I, I like I like LSU. I just know they're going through a transitional phase. Oh yeah, oh, I like yeah. that. I like Matt McMahon. I think he could be a good coach. But man, they they were handed you know basically a death trap after uh, the, the you know basically got rid of Will Wade and. Yeah, the NCA started cracking down on them. But, uh, no, Alabama, Kentucky is going to be a good one. Like I said, Auburn, I think just, you know, refocus. Bring your A game. Uh, you know, not having Jalen is, is going gonna, is gonna to sting, but I think they'll be okay. They're just going to have to ask some other guys to step up. Um, you know, A&M fighting for, their, fighting for their postseason lives, you know, going at Tennessee. I don't think they'll win that one. Um, you know, and, and then South Carolina on the road at Ole Miss, a scrappy Ole Miss team that's on the bubble and, and wants to, to punch their tickets, so they got to win that one. So, yeah, it's going to be some good some good games this weekend. But uh, like I said, I think that if anybody's in a must win mode this weekend, it's got to be Kentucky. And it's so crazy. You uh, like you said, you come on the road and you take down Auburn inside of Neville Arena, and then you just you just wash it away with a loss at LSU, a team that's struggling to stay above five hundred. Like it's just it seems like that's been the definition of John Calipari and Kentucky here in the last couple of seasons. So definitely a big game between Alabama and Kentucky this weekend inside of Rupp Arena. Want to flip to baseball quickly here, Chris, before we let you get out of here. The season's underway. First full weekend and the midweek is in the books and some really exciting baseball around the SEC this weekend. Auburn going to be down in Jacksonville taking on two ranked teams. Uh, You've got numerous squads that are undefeated to start the year and uh, it's that time of year where you just get so many different interesting matchups in non-conference play. Yeah, it is, and it, uh, you know, I had the uh, utilizing the, the ESPN Plus app. I was able to watch a couple of games last weekend and kind of check in on teams. And man, Florida—I know they, they had to deal with weather, but gosh, to, to lose their opener—you uh, know, when you're the number two team in the in the country, uh, that wasn't pretty. Uh, LSU held serve. I mean, most of the teams held serve. I thought Tennessee even did a good job going out to Arlington and playing a tough. You know, three tough Big 12 opponents. They lost to Oklahoma and extras, but beat Texas Tech and beat Baylor. And I thought that was a heck of a job by Tony Vitello right out of the gates in a tough opening weekend. But it's all a little bit of Auburn. I think Allsup is, is going to be fine on the mound. They, they got some, you know, pretty good arms from Gonzalez to what, uh, McBride and those guys. And then a couple of, uh, you know, got to see the offense kind of come around a, a little bit more as the season goes along. But what, Irish hit a couple home runs. So, um, I think uh, I think Auburn's going to be right there in the mix this, this year. And we know one thing about the SEC in baseball. It is the best conference. And, Chris, there is no debating that when it comes to college baseball in the Southeastern Conference. No, and it's just so fun. And like, I mean, I could literally – I could pop open any game on any given night and enjoy some, some, great, some great, great baseball. And, you know, I've talked to guys – you know, covering the Astros throughout the years, I've, I've been able to talk to guys at the big league level, everyone from David Price to Alex Bregman, and ask them, you know, what 
your personal experience, pitching, pitching or playing in a Friday night game in, in SEC play, they'll all tell you there's nothing like it. I mean, when you've got an ace versus an ace, these are all future MLB stars, you know, in a lot, on a lot of these rosters and, and guys who are going to be in the big leagues one day going toe-to-toe with one another, and it's, it's a lot of fun, man. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get to see. I uh, actually got LSU's coming here to uh, Houston next week. They're going to be playing in the, uh, the Classic over at Minute Maid. Uh, playing some pretty good teams like the Texas Longhorns and, and the Raging Cages, the Lafayette. So these are always fun to get these out of the way early on and kind of get a judge of of uh, what these teams are going to look like. Like you said, with Auburn playing Iowa and, and Virginia, going to be a real good early season test to kind of see, you know, measure the the uh, how good your team could be this year. It's a fun time of year with basketball season coming down to the wire and baseball getting underway. True crossover season is upon us. And Chris Gordy at Locked On SEC. He covers it better than anybody, man. Tell everybody where you are, how they can find you, and uh, what's coming up on Locked on SEC. Yeah, we're, uh, we, I encourage everybody to go check out today's episode uh, of Locked on SEC. Uh, it's been crazy what we've had going on with, um, you know, obviously all the talk of uh, playoff expansion and everything else. And now the idea has been floated out there that, you know, we could be coming to a 14-team playoff. We finally got our, <laughs> our minds wrapped around a 12-team playoff, and we could have a 14-team playoff coming within uh, the next two to three years. And it's uh, it, greed is taking over everything right now across across all of college football. And like what Josh Pate said, he said, hey, can we get some people who actually give a damn about college football on Saturdays making some of these decisions instead of just money, yes, greedy people all making the decisions? It's uh, it's frustrating. And I, just, I talked about today, the reality is it's going to be a lot tougher to win championships. So, you know, Ole Miss – you know, right now, like last year, they would have been the 11th seed. They would have had to go play the first weekend in Athens to beat Georgia. Do you realize even to, to win that one, you still have to win three more games to win a championship? I mean, the road to get there, we love the idea of expanding the playoff, but, man, it is a lot tougher than it used to be. It used to just be you win the SEC, the BCS automatically puts you right in the championship game. But now you've got to win multiple, multiple uh, playoff games to even get to a championship and I think it's a little eye-opening for people. The road for the SEC dominance, uh, it, it might it might kind of come to an end here because it's going to be a lot tougher to get to the title game. Yeah, it's just – it's crazy, man. It, it really is. It's it's out of control, and not that it's unexpected or anything, but uh, I want to talk a lot more about that in the coming weeks as we get into spring practice next week and get into a lot more. Who knows? We may be at a 20-team playoff by the time we talk to you next week, Chris. <laughs> Or how about 36 or 64? Let's just put everybody in. Yeah, 68. We'll have some play-in games up in Dayton somewhere, and we'll just uh, we'll just blow it out of the water with the with the college football national championship. Man, it's out of control. But we've got plenty more time to talk about that throughout the upcoming weeks. Chris Gordy, locked on SEC. Man, thanks so much for your time as always. All right, thanks, man. That's Chris Gordy again. Check him out, Locked on SEC, wherever you get your podcast, YouTube version up. Uh, you can find the video version on YouTube, or you can just search Locked on SEC wherever you get your podcast. we got to get to our final break. We'll come back, wrap it all up here on the Thursday edition of On the Line on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader, ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
winding down here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. I appreciate you being with me today, man. Been a lot of fun. Thursdays are always a good time around here with two wonderful guests with Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network in the first hour. And then as we just got off the phone with Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, he joins us every single Thursday in the second hour at 3.30. So talk to those two guys today. Also, uh, we talked to some college, a lot of college basketball with what happened last night. Also had some good conversation about the SEC regular season championship versus SEC tournament championship. Uh, we talked about the NCAA and how their priorities are just completely out of whack and um, how they are cracking down on all the wrong things. And uh, they're turning into the no fun league, man, the NFL 2.0. So talked about that today. And uh, yeah, been a lot of good stuff. Talked to baseball also with Auburn baseball uh, traveling down to Jacksonville as Brad Law was on the road, actually, on the way down there. So all good things that we talked about today. Been a great show. If you missed any of it, uh, you can find it on the podcast version on our website at ESPNAU.com and you can find it wherever you get your podcast. Here's what's going on tonight around our family of stations over on Wings 94.3 and WingsFM.com. Tiger Talk is tonight 6 p.m. They'll be live from Baumhauer's Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers will be out there. So if you want to go and join them, you should. You should go get some good food over at Baumhauer's and check out Tiger Talk. Or if you can't make it, if you're in the car at home, you can listen to Tiger Talk on Wings 94.3. Also on 96.3 W. Lee, uh, home of the Auburn High School Sports Network, Jack Hutton will be on the call as Auburn High School softball gets started tonight. So he will be on the call for that. The season's been started, but our first broadcast on the Auburn High School Sports Network. So go join Jack Hutton. Uh, first pitch at 5 o'clock, I believe. So they'll be opening up the broadcast season on 96.3 W. Lee. Tomorrow, Uncle T-Bone back in the studio previewing Auburn and Georgia this weekend. All the SEC basketball coverage, plus whatever else we can get into on a free-for-all Friday. That'll be tomorrow, 2-4, to four, right here on ESPN 106.7. So until then, I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.